We at Fatanize pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land we record on today. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Fatanize podcast. I'm your host Demi Lynch and we have a little TikTok celebrity here with us. <laughs> we have... I don't know how I feel about the word celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make you so uncomfortable. I was just oh, like... <laughs> and you can see me squirming. <laughs> we have folks, we have Ashy and you may recognize her face her laughs, her sense of humor, and of course her beautiful hair on TikTok. She is hilarious. And I have to say, got me through the pandemic so no way. much. Yes. Oh, oh my God. goodness, yes. <laughs> How are you, my dear? I am good, I'm good. I always get a little worried when someone introduces me with so many kind words because I am prepared to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I'm putting too, putting too much of a high standard. I should just be like, oh, she's this person on TikTok. She's all right. She's just nah. hot mess, loud mouth, very opinionated, likes to piss people off, won't go away. Persistent <laughs> <laughs> little fucker. <laughs> yep. Well, you really are a persistent little fucker this week because you Absolutely. are all over the news because of a lunchbox. Hashtag lunchboxgate. Yes. Lunchboxgate 2023. It's going to go down mm-hmm. in infamy. Yes. It's, so... the, it's, the, it's the media spotlight that finally made me an international media slut, <laughs> not just a national media slut. And we're going to take that in stride and run with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be your LinkedIn profile now. Yeah. 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 I'm international <laughs> media slut. Hashtag lunchbox gate. Yep. <laughs> so for people out there that have no freaking idea, what are we talking about? How about you explain to the world for probably like the 20th time this week, explain <laughs> why only the 20th? <laughs> only the 20th. Why are what we talking lunch... about a lunchbox? Why are we talking about a lunchbox? <laughs> Are we um, hungry? What is it? <laughs> I made the um, mortifying mistake of posing a question to my TikTok community because, um, like, um, you know, a bit of context, I don't have family here in Townsville that I can ask these questions of. And I was like, I know my community. They'll, they'll give me some guidance here. Um, basically, a teacher aide on duty at my son's lunchtime wouldn't open one of the things in his lunchbox because she had deemed it unhealthy. Uh, my kid was really upset. He'd come home really upset. We'd asked about why he hadn't eaten it and he burst into tears, which like any parent, that's awful to see. Um, and so I posed the question on TikTok of like, should I say something? Because in our house, we don't conform to diet culture rhetoric. I'm so strict on that. Um, probably because I grew up surrounded by diet culture. We'll get into that later. Um, but I am very conscious of the language choices that we make when we talk to my kids about food. Um, so that was why, but I'm aware that not everyone is ready to have those conversations about diet culture rhetoric. So that's where I sort of said, should I say something? Am I overreacting because it's just something that doesn't align with my values or should I let it slide? And if it happens again, bring it up. And overwhelmingly the comments were like, girl, say something. You're his parent, you're his advocate. Um, there were a lot of people that like, I want to say like agreed with me, but missed my point. Um, and from some of those comments, the video took off and I know people who live on the internet always say, oh, I never expected it to go viral, but I genuinely (laughs) did not expect this video to get the traction that it got. Cause that morning I had posted a video that had gone viral. So I was like, cool, that's my viral video for 
this month. TikTok's oh, not going to give me anymore. What, what was it? Um, who, which child is most likely, is it to wait, not become a serial killer? Which one of your children has the capabilities to stage a military coup to overturn a government? And why is it your second born? <laughs> yeah. And so the way the TikTok algorithm great. works is that generally, like, you get your one good video. And then I, or at least in my experience, your next few that you post maybe get like, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 views. And it's sometimes it's just about posting to feed the algorithm. But this situation was literally just the equivalent of jumping onto your Facebook mums groups, which I avoid like the plague, but it was the equivalent of me jumping on Facebook and asking, what should I do? Yeah. Media outlets in Australia picked it up. Um, and the first person that I spoke to asked me lots of questions about my stance on diet culture and then wrote an article that ignored everything I'd told her and focused on mum shows fury at school. And I was like, I was never furious. Um, and the media whirlwind that has like come out around this has very much created a lot of anti-teacher rhetoric, which I despise because mm -hmm. I absolutely adore my son's classroom teacher. I love the school that we go to and I have loved ones who are teachers and there's nothing, there's not, I couldn't do it. Let me just put it that way. Let's pay teachers more so that mm -hmm. oh, I'm safe from ever having to, I struggled doing five minutes of homework, let alone, teaching a room full of five-year-olds that's neither here nor there but every time a media outlet grabbed that article they focused completely on the wrong message it was um very much spun into a teachers need to butt out and um teachers are crossing the lines and now I'm like guys it was never about teachers it was never about teachers this is about me and my attempts to break down diet culture rhetoric in my family to try and put a stop to that generational trauma around food and bodies and wellness and all of that horrible shit that so many of us grew up in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. That's all that it was. And no one wanted to hear that. Mm -hmm. And um, again, like I told you earlier, I approached it at first with any publicity is good publicity. Whatever, I can ride this wave. I got told to kill myself over self-serve checkouts. I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other podcast, I reckon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, so like, you know, negative, negative comments, things like that. I've got a pretty thick skin. I'm, ha I'm happy within my own self-image. I go to therapy. Um, so I was like, I can write this. Yeah, it'll be fine. But the more the media twisted it, the more exhausted I started to feel about trying to say like, hey, hey guys, it's actually not about the teacher or the schools or whatever. It's, it's honestly a conversation about how people in positions of authority around children talk about food and bodies because a lot of us don't realize the impact that that can have. Um, you spoke to Aubrey Gordon a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I think that's so hard. Oh, honey, she, same. <laughs> and she said something that was like a in my head it was um anyone who's got a body and a mother has feelings about the way their mother I'm very much paraphrasing and I'm not getting it right but when she said that I was like a hundred percent I still remember the conversations that my mum had about her own body and about my body um to this day those conversations still happen sometimes as though I'm not even in the room mm. um and like I sort of took that in mind and so every 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 single media outlet has heard this quote from me and it is Anyone who's ever eaten anything in the presence of another human being can remember a time when a comment was made, whether it was in passing or whether it was malicious or whatever, they can remember that comment being made about what they were eating, how much they were eating, when they were eating it or with whom they were eating it. And it is stuck in their brain. Mm -hmm. And yep. that 
is how this diet culture shit creeps in and then this negative attitude, like disordered eating patterns creep in one negative thought at a time. Mm -hmm. So while yes, this might be an isolated incident for my son, for the next four days straight, everything that was put on his plate, I was asked, mum, is this healthy? And it didn't matter how many times I would say, baby, all foods are healthy. All foods serve a purpose. You can eat what you want on that plate. It didn't matter how many times I said that, the question kept getting asked. And this is where I say to people, not just one comment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there's so much, so, 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 so much to this conversation. Like the first being that even in today's world, it's 2023, we still have moral value when it comes to food. We label it as junk food, sometimes food, healthy food, bad food. Treat food. Oh, yes. It's treat food. Oh, I need to to work off this food now, don't I? It's just. And nobody has (sighs) to earn a meal. I don't know how many. Mm -hmm. Like I I have a a brother and his and his partner, beautiful people, smart, attractive, young. They have so much going for them. And every time we see them, there's at least two conversations that revolve around. Oh, I'm glad I went to the gym this morning so that we can split this pie for lunch. Mm. eat the fucking pie mate just yeah. eat pie mm-hmm. you can just eat a pie you don't have to justify it to me because I don't give a fuck what you eat because it's got nothing to do with me and I sit there and I listen to that and I have to constantly say you can just eat the food because I'm I'm working so tirelessly to make sure that those little conversations don't creep into my kids subconscious and have them going oh I need to do xyz before I can have that food but yeah. no you can literally wake up and spend your day on the couch and you still deserve to eat food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because we are clear examples that it influences us. Like there's a whole generation that have been speaking about it all over Instagram, particularly TikTok. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. been speaking about it for the past couple of years so openly about how diet culture inf- affects us so dramatically when we're younger mm-hmm. and how our parents or relatives or people at school how they talk about food influences us and it really, really messes up with our bodies and the yeah, way we look at yeah. food. We're, and we're heard, more example of it and people just yeah. dismiss it. I don't get it. And I've, I've heard so many stories and, and like I'll openly tell people that I was dragged to Weight Watchers when I was 13. Actually, I was 12. It was before my 13th birthday, but I was in my first year of high school and I was dragged to Weight Watchers. Um, and I remember standing on one of those awful old school scales where they tapped the little thing across the bar and there was this room full of women in their 30s, 40s and 50s openly standing up and confessing to the meeting that they'd had a piece of pavlova at the church picnic and uh, like then asking me, well, what do you eat at school? And I'm like, "Mm, food. Like, and at such a young age, I was taught this moral value around food and that if I ate certain foods, I was going to be berated by this group of middle-aged women. And um, I don't know how much you know about Weight Watchers culture in the early, early mm-hmm. 2000s. So that would have been like literally the year 2000. Um, you got a points book and every food had a points value. Oh, I remember the points book. Yeah. And I was allocated at the ripe old age of 12, 13, where I'm growing, hitting puberty, going through all those things and needed far more calories than they were willing to let me have. I was given 18 points a day. Um, And that's not a lot because an apple is one point. So put that into perspective of how much I was actually allowed to eat in a day. And through Weight Watchers, through this 
horrible warped idea of healthy versus unhealthy, the first thing I was taught is that when you're hungry, have a Diet Coke. So there were two pages in the front of that manual devoted to Diet Coke and how many ways you can drink it to spice it up and make it a little more interesting. So you can have like crushed ice with your Diet Coke and then it's like a slushy. No, it's not. Wow. Um, and you can put a lemon wedge in and it's like a cocktail. Um, so yeah, two whole pages <laughs> devoting to, and it was zero points. So you could have as much of it as you wanted. So no one's paying attention to the fact that I was drinking up to three litres of Diet Coke a day to try and dull my hunger cues. But I was learning to ignore my hunger cues. And lo and behold, as an adult, I struggled to read my hunger cues because throughout my formative years, I was rewarded and praised for ignoring my body's bare needs, bare minimum needs. My body needs calories to function. And I was applauded for ignoring that basic need. And I'm just like, and everyone was so nice to me as the weight came off. So from that very early age, I was taught that when you're thin, people are kind to you. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I look back, I'm like, how fucking sad that this room full of intelligent women, mothers, wives, partners, um, business owners, teachers, all these intelligent, beautiful women sat in this room. And the only thing they felt they had to offer society was a shrinking waistline. And if that's not fucking tragic, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. It's just... Mm. It's really sad when we think about how messed up it was and how it's still so bad now. And when Mm. you mentioned the hunger cues, it got me thinking, I could already think of three examples of me still today, not knowing like if I'm really hungry or not and having to question my hunger, like something that I was told was, um, you're not hungry. You're just bored. You're just bored. Oh my God. I hate that one. No, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the other one was, Oh, if you're hungry, just have a glass of water. And it's like, that's a different thing than hunger. And it's so funny because people still tell me that now. Like, oh, maybe you're not hungry. Maybe you're thirsty. And I'm like, um, I drink, literally, I drink five liters of water a day. I'm a thirsty bitch. And I drink a lot of water a day. And would you believe it? I still get hungry. Oh, my God. Who the fucking thunk it? Like, this is my water bottle, like you can see. It is a 1.5 litre water bottle and I fill this up at least three times a day and I still have people saying, maybe you're not hungry, maybe you're thirsty. No, mm-hmm. bitch. <laughs> it's two different things. Hunger and yeah. hydration is two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing how easily that that slides into disordered territory and probably this is a really good time for a trigger warning. Um from that Weight Watchers mentality of restriction and restriction, I learned about um, binging because you could save your points. So throughout the week, you could eat less points each day. So 18 points already, not a lot. I think it worked out to be approximately a thousand calories, which we know for anyone is not healthy. Mm -hmm. So I would then go, well, if I eat less. Unlike what Rebel Wilson says. Let's ignore Rebel Wilson. We have, we have feelings about Rebel Wilson. Um, but I taught myself that I could eat less and less and less and less and less. And then on Sundays when my family always got fish and chips, I could binge. And I did it every week for oh almost an entire year. I and forgot then, about that. You can yeah. save up the points. Yep, Whoa. yep. And then so like 
Weight Watchers really probably will never, ever take responsibility for the way they've set people up with these disordered eating patterns. Mm. Um, uh, the next step for me from there was I went through a um, restriction binge purge cycle. So that was how my eating behaviors then changed. And that was sort of towards the last couple of years of high school. And then in my first year of uni, it was just full on starvation. Um, I, I, I won't talk numbers because I know that can be triggering for some people. Um, but I will say that I dropped to a size that is less than half of what I weigh now. Um, and I was applauded at every angle. So I was eating not even enough to sustain a, a newborn, a baby, um, and people were patting me on the back and, oh my God, you look so good. What are you doing? And in the back of my head, I was like, I'm trawling um, live journal eating disorder communities for tips and tricks on how to convince the people around me that I'm still eating normally. I used to um, raid the bins on the university campus for food wrappers and hide them in my car so that people would think I'd been eating in my car. So there was never a question of like, oh, when was the last time I saw her eat? Um, I... I, I would keep a food journal and if I ate more than like oh, a sandwich, I would berate myself and I would tell myself in writing what an awful person I was for having eaten this much. Um, I had a double mirror in my bedroom on a wardrobe and it was emblazoned with people who were in the active stages of severe eating disorders. And I looked up to these girls. I saw pictures of their rib cages and I was like, that's going to be me and I'm going to get there. Um, and it wasn't until I started working as a social, like I was on an internship as a social worker in a hospital that my boss, who just, thank God for this person, because she sat me down one day and she's like, I'm really concerned about you. I've worked with you now for X number of months and the only thing I've ever seen you eat was a black coffee and you're really thin. I notice you get short of breath walking the hallway. Can we have a chat about it? And that was the start of me um, trying to undo these negative attitudes around food. And it's not linear. You would know that. Um, I then went to, okay, well, I'm going to eat more, but I need to make sure I've earned that food. So then I would get up at four in the morning and I would ride an exercise bike for two and a half hours before I got on with my day so that I was starting my day in a calorie deficit so that I'd earned the food that I could eat throughout the day. And, blah, blah, blah. and I look back now and I'm like, you were so beautiful. You had your life ahead of you and you wasted all that energy focusing on the size of there's the numbers on the scales. And I, I cry for that girl every single day because it's taken years to get to where I am now. And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about dismantling the language choices that we use because it does real damage to have these off the cuff flippant comments thrown at you all the time. It does real damage. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it is so, so frustrating seeing all these articles because the story spread like wildfire across Australia and the yeah. world, like you were in the Daily Mail, Yahoo News, New York, New York Post. And that's why it was so frustrating when people just made it out. Oh, this mum or this mummy blogger. Uh, mummy blogger. Oh my God, I uh... fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, they obviously have not seen your fucking videos no. on TikTok. <laughs> God. Not at all. And it's so funny because when I started TikTok back in 2020, I did it to find a part of myself that I had lost to motherhood. Because I think a lot of mums can talk about like feeling that they didn't know who they were in the throes of like babies and whatever. And I was like, I get to do this thing for me. And I, I get to be myself and I get to be something other than mum when I'm on TikTok. And so, yeah, to be, again, thrown back into that mummy blogger 
someone also was called me a mumpreneur because I happen to own a business and it's like, or I'm just a business owner. What got nothing to do because my kids enough. aren't in there packing orders with me mate like <laughs> <never> helping. <laughs> i'm not breastfeeding the shirt okay yeah you don't ever hear anyone say dadpreneur or anything like nope. that oh my god no you definitely do not <laughs> oh, so it's just so messed up to think that the whole issue of it all was literally what you just explained about how diet culture affects you from such a long age and follows mm. you like it's on the back of your shoulder just whispering in your ears you're not good enough you're yep. not thin enough throughout your entire teen years through adulthood that's what that whole conversation was about with the yeah. cake in your child's lunchbox it wasn't about you targeting the school it wasn't about you no. being a mummy blogger it wasn't no. about <laughs> you targeting the teacher even though it was a teacher aide i am so yes. sick of journalists <laughs> not I doing haven't... their Research. I've had so many emails. I've got screenshots of emails where I have said, hey, just letting you know it was a teacher aide. Ignored. Like, cool, 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 cool. <sighs> <laughs> and again, I think it, this, was, this has been a really steep learning curve for myself about like you can give a reporter an hour's worth of content. Mm -hmm. You can explain everything that I've just said to you then and they're going to just fucking cut that shit out. Mm. Yeah. Even when I, when I was interviewed by Seven News, I said specifically... I really hope this sparks a bigger conversation about language choices around food and children. However, teachers and educators don't need to be the punching bag of that conversation. Mm. They did not include that at all. <sighs> Exhausting. Gotta love mainstream media. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it, if it makes a difference, but the majority of those um, reporters have been men too. So maybe there because i i do think diet culture affects women differently than it affects men i'm not suggesting that men don't experience it mm. i just think it affects us differently as everything in society does mm. um so i don't know if that plays into it that the men were like oh, who gives a fuck about your feelings let's talk about you taking on the school and picking indoors and like petitioning the state government like that, that no <laughs> 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 that's literally just putting words in your mouth yeah and it's just yeah. not at all what you're trying to say at all it's just yes as a journalist myself uh hearing <laughs> the stories of from the past couple of days of your experience with journalists and yeah. platforms i just gotta say i'm so embarrassed to be a journalist sometimes <laughs> when i hear stuff a like few that people have oh. a few of my journo friends because i've got friends who are journos who are like there where is the integrity where's the journalistic where, where's the research like because I think anyone who knows me knows that I wasn't out here baying for blood. I wasn't like, sack that woman and send her on her way. I wasn't, no. I had a really calm conversation with Carter's classroom teacher about like, hey, this is an isolated incident because I know he's had things like this in his lunchbox before and it's never been raised. I'm letting you know that it happened. I just want you to know that it's happened so that if it happens again, I'm going to probably take it a bit further. Um, and, you know, if if you guys are ever worried about what I might think, but let me tell you, I don't care what he eats in his lunchbox or what order it's been eaten in. And that was the end of the cop. That was literally it. That was literally like, cool, have a lovely day. See you later. And I went about with my day and then the media whirlwind started. And then my next conversation with the teacher was like, Hey, just a heads up media have grabbed this. And we both went, it'll blow over like the Coles checkout thing. You'll be fine. And then it didn't, and it keeps going. And we're What's just like, the Coles oh. checkout? What did I miss? Did I miss something? Oh, I made the most off 
like it was one of those days where I just had to feed the algorithm because I hadn't posted the day before and I was like fuck if I don't post the algorithm's gonna punish me mm. and I was checking out at the self-serve checkout and I said isn't this funny like these <laughs> these supermarkets are posting record profits and they won't even put staff on checkouts and I'm sitting here like a chump working for a supermarket and I don't even get staff discount and I was like oh my god there's my punchline <laughs> Yes. So I've, I've set my camera up on the self-serve and I'm, I'm scanning yogurts. So like I've got 30 of the fucking things because that's what my son prefers to eat. So I'm scanning yogurts and I'm just throwing them into the bag and a media, a media outlet picked it up and it was like, um, picked, oh, I, no, I think it was mum. It was again, it was like mum slams supermarkets over checkout change. And as you know, in a lot of those clickbait media, they will take a, a quote from a comment on the video that I didn't say, but someone else did. Mm -hmm. And then they put that in the headline. Mm -hmm. And so it looks on face value, like I've said X, Y, Z. And of course they cover their asses and then down in the article on like paragraph 12, it says um, another commenter said, blah, blah, blah. And that's the <laughs> quote, but no one, or I've never known any boomer on a Facebook page to actually read the article let alone look past the headline. So one of them was like, Coles, you're a disgrace. I was like, what? Never said that. Um, and like, again, oh. it was one of those things where for the most part, people were agreeing with me, but again, missing my point. Because my point was, these guys are price gouging groceries in a cost of living crisis. And they can't even be bothered putting enough staff in the store that we actually get a bit of help. Cause there's nothing worse than checking out a fucking week's worth of groceries, put your hand up like a naughty kid in school, waiting for someone to come and <laughs> check your bags and like, oh, these are bananas. And yeah, like it just blew. But that one died off really yeah. quickly. It was like a, a weekend and we were gone and I was fine. Other than someone telling me that if I can't work out self-serve checkouts, I should kill myself. I was like, cool. Oh, okay. strong reaction. <laughs> but as you and I have discussed, the uh, the comment section on TikTok is absolutely unhinged. So, oh, it is like yeah. it, like Twitter and Instagram. They're nothing compared to that. In TikTok, you mm. just get the most vile of vile of people. Mm. And about and about the calls checkout, I thoroughly agree with that. Especially because <laughs> have you seen they now have like the long conveyor belts now. That's one of the checkouts that I was at. And so it was oh. 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning and there were no manned checkouts. And someone was like, well, there has to have been one. I'm like, no, no, there actually wasn't. Someone else said something along the lines of like, oh, well, you can just go up to the service desk and ask them to open a checkout. And as someone who's worked in retail, I know that the person who gets dragged off the floor and put on a checkout still has to go and do the rest of the work that they were meant mm -hmm. to do. They've just got to take a break from that. Well, not even a break. They've just been redirected for 10, 15 minutes um and they're still going to have to do the work of probably doing the work of three people let's let's yeah. be real yeah um and they're still going to have to be expected to get all that work done in the time of their shift so no i'm not going to be the person who makes life harder for the, the grassroots people in the shop the message was clearly sent to conglomerates um but yeah again taken out of context people were like oh you're that kind of customer sure it's just like i just wanted to make a funny tiktok video yeah. that's it and it's that's like, it oh. i just wanted to make some funny content and i did it was great they end that's it I tried to, and like again i a lot of my content is comedy and i mm. use hyperbole to make my point and like even in the video about the lunchbox i made a joke of like i don't remember asking you and it was meant to be like just a little bit like here's my like comedic take on a situation that i genuinely just need a bit of advice on because i'm still figuring all this shit out um but yeah um I tried really hard to like control the narrative as best I could um but in the beautiful words of April the Bodzilla mm -hmm. 
She's like, I just decide who's worth the energy for. And then I surround myself with people. Cause I asked her, I'm like, what do you do when people are twisting your words and not listening to you? She's like, I accept that I can't control. I'm paraphrasing again. I accept that I can't control what they're going to do with my words. And then I go and I talk to people who don't make me feel angry. I was like, yeah, I think that's about all I can do yeah. at this point. Because <laughs> yeah. even the people in the comment section on the lunchbox, lunchbox video, they're, you know, quote unquote agreeing with me, but still missing my point entirely. So one person was like, yes, girl, like we had this incident with our son's school and I don't care what he eats. Um, as long as he eats his vegetables first. And I'm like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, Cause that's not my message. Um, one comment, which absolutely like oh, it, I, I haven't even responded to it. Cause I just didn't even know how to respond. Mm. It was yeah, girl, like I'm so on your side. I agree. Like my daughter gets to eat whatever, whatever she wants, but I've told her that as soon as she hits puberty, then she can worry about her weight. And I was like, no, oh. <laughs> this is not the conversation that I'm trying to have. I'm trying to say that you can say to your kid, you don't have to tell your kids that one food is better than another food. And I, I, like, I'll put it on record now because this is what people say. Well, what do you say? How do you get make sure that he's meeting his nutritional needs? And it, it's quite simple. I say to him, baby, all foods serve a purpose. Some foods are really good for your tummy. Some foods are really good for your brain. Some foods are good for your muscles and your bones. Some foods just make you happy. And all those purposes they're valid purposes and you can eat what makes your body feel good. And I am encouraging my son to listen to what his body needs. And even my husband was a little bit like, oh, but if you put the lollies on the plate with the food, he's just going to eat the lollies first. I'm like, yeah, maybe at first, but who gives a fuck? Like it's all going in the same way. He's still going to shit it out and make us look at it in the toilet. Um, like it's really not going to make a difference to him. But I think that as parents, when we're taking away the, the, the moral, we've attached this moral value to these foods that doesn't need to be there. So when you take that away and you reduce the stigma, you're telling your child, listen to your body. What does your body need right now? And some days my kid will smash four bananas. Um, and some days he wants to eat a lollipop for breakfast. And I'm like, all right, cool. Is that what your body's telling you? Let's go with that. And I know that there's going to be, because I'm, I'm certain that your podcast receives people who hate listen. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love so it. So I know, I know someone's going to be like, she gives her kids lollipops for fucking breakfast. <laughs> and I'm sure they're going to have a field day with that. But honestly, in our house, food is just food. Yeah. We don't, we, I make sure that at his height and his arm level, he can reach all the foods that he could possibly need to meet his nutritional needs and that includes fruits and vegetables and dairy and he's allowed to have fruit juice if he feels like it i encourage him to drink a lot of water because this is north queensland and it's hot and you need to be hydrated but i also don't have a problem with him going into the cupboard after he's eaten lunch and be like mom i'm still hungry can i have this muesli bar um i, I don't have a problem with him telling me what he needs um because i think a lot of the damage comes from people with like fucked mentalities to food telling children what they need and not listening to what they need. And I know there's also like a whole school of people who are like, oh, cool. So we're just letting kids run the world now. It's like, no, we are letting children have bodily autonomy and bodily autonomy and consent includes consent on what you're putting in your body. Oh my God. It's like all these things tie in together. <laughs> that is just brand new information. Oh right? my God. Because I, I practice gentle parenting, which is a whole other like, 
Oh my god, I can imagine the stuff you get for that. Oh god. I just heard eye rolls. I'm sure I just heard eye rolls. But um, a lot of gentle parenting or respectful parenting or responsive parenting or whatever you want to call it revolves around acknowledging your child's autonomy as a person and letting them decide what works for them in that moment and it does involve a little bit of direction and it does involve discipline people mm. seem to think that we don't discipline our kids um it does involve all of those things but it's done in a respectful way it's done in a way that acknowledges that whatever feelings they're going through at the time are valid um it acknowledges that just because i'm the parent doesn't mean i'm right mm. it acknowledges that we are all capable of making mistakes and i think one of the cornerstones of it is we apologize when we fuck up Ooh. Could that you imagine how much generation, right? Could you imagine how <laughs> our childhood would have been if we'd have said, "Mum, that hurt my feelings," and our mum went, "I'm sorry." And it doesn't have to be a, "I'm sorry," but I only did that because you did X, Y, Z. It's like, "I'm so sorry." Mm. Are you okay? How can we fix this? Like, that's all it needs to be. Like, because I'm, I, I don't know what your experience is with your own mother, but I know with my mum, every time I'm caught listening to her latest diet fad, and I say, "Hey, mum." For me, this is not a conversation I want to be a part of. Happy that you've found something that you feel works for you. These aren't conversations I want to have, though. You can have them with someone else. And I get the, oh, I'm just the worst mother in the world. And I go, sure. I don't argue with her anymore. It's like, <laughs> I'm not responsible for, for fixing your relationship with your body. Yeah. I, Because, yeah, that, that again, that's a whole other story where, like, my mum is a multiple degree owner like she has multiple degrees to her name she's a very intelligent woman she's worked in positions of high um authority within the corporate world which as a woman is such a massive thing because that was in the 80s and 90s like my mum was breaking glass ceilings and spent the whole time on a diet of some kind mm. the whole time so she would be running like whole offices full of staff and people and managing day-to-day -day operations of a business and living off a herbal life shake because if it's a fad diet it's I've been around it I've had an experience with it and I've watched my mum go through it and again she never pushed those fad diets on me but I watched it mm. and I internalized that you know I've got to earn food I've got to be smaller I'm only worthy when I'm a size 10 and it's like no actually like I'm experiencing the best success of my life now at I don't even know my weight so I want to say the heaviest I've ever been because I think I am but like I don't know because we've made it in a, a rule that we don't have scales in the house. I, when my doctor says, Hey, I need to weigh you for X, Y, Z. I'm like, cool. And I face away. I'm going to stand on the scale for you, but I'm not, I don't, I don't give a fuck yeah. what it says. So you use that information however you like, but it doesn't affect me in my day to day. Um, you were talking to Kelly, the nurse from, um, yeah. and I was, I was really intrigued by that because she was even talking about some of the fat phobia within the medical industry. And one of my experiences with fat phobia, was I went to my doctor. I'm a woman of childbearing age. Let's, let's preface that. <laughs> and I said, Oh, I just feel like garbage. I have no energy. I was just wondering if you could run some bloods and just check if I'm okay. What would be the first test that you think you would run for a woman in her 30s who's <sighs> saying, I've got no fucking energy? I would assume it'd be a pregnancy test. <laughs> no, no, she missed my pregnancy because she was too busy checking my cholesterol levels. Uh, yeah. Yes. So that everything always has to revolve around weight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you know, sometimes you will go see. I have a fantastic GP now who doesn't pull oh, that shit fabulous. on me. 
um, but when I was going through a little bit of a lull in my mental health last year, I sat down, I said, look, I really think I need to, I think I need a plan. Um, but I just want to make sure that it doesn't have to do anything about my weight because I know my diet is balanced and I don't need to look at those choices right now. What I need to focus on is getting this right. And then if you are really concerned that my blood pressure or my cholesterol or whatever is out of control, then we'll talk about that. But I want to get my head right first. And I think that's something Kelly said as well. And when it's relation to her blood sugars, it's like right now, that's not my focus because my head isn't in the right game. We'll address that if, and when we need to, but let's get this right first. And I think, um, I think we are starting to see some um, people in the medical professional medical profession undoing a lot of that fat phobia or trying to at least and I think I think there are props for trying I think we have to give them props there because I know it's yeah. very ingrained yeah but I know that it's still really rife um across the road I have a neighbor who's a doctor who doesn't allow his kids dried fruit Wow. because of the sugar oh yeah. and I, I guess this feeds in as well like what is one person's healthy could be another person's trip to the hospital. Healthy exactly. is absolutely um, different from person to person. If you spoke to, remember when we were all afraid of avocados? Oh my God. High, That's right. They were high in fat. And so no yeah. one was fucking avocados. And I'm sure the avocado farmers were like, oh shit. <laughs> and then there was a while where we were all avoiding eggs because of the cholesterol, but then we decided that there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol and you can have this one, but you can't have that one. Mm-hmm. And um, this is why I don't like the term healthy because first of all, healthy changes week to week, depending on what research is out there. And we all know yep. that you can skew research to find what you want to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but healthy is different from person to person. And because you and I, Demi, have completely different bodies. Yep. And so what is healthy for me could you probably love prawns and shellfish, right? And they're considered a healthy food. I would literally die <laughs> if I ate those things. So mm-hmm. don't sit there and tell me that it's as simple as healthy versus unhealthy because it's not. Yeah. And also yeah. like every single diet has different ideas of what's a quote unquote good food, bad food. Like so, yeah. like, like some people, like when they go on a diet, they are focused on calories. Some are focused on yes. carbs. Some are focused on mm-hmm. sugars. Some are focused on fats. Yeah or Weight Watchers, some are focused on points, like, oh, and then, and then there's like, you know, um, or others, it's just like, oh, it has to all be raw food, it has to all be uh, food with vegetables in it, it all, it all mm-hmm. has to be natural, like, it's just so many different categories of like how people, yeah, determine what healthy and, is. And don't forget, a lot of people um, cherry pick the information to inform mm. themselves on what's a good or bad food. Um, like a conversation I was having with one of the mums at school, who's a lovely woman, obviously misinformed though, because she talks about, oh, my kids get to have cakes and blah, 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 blah. Oh, but don't worry. It's healthy because it's gluten-free. Neither of her oh, children are celiac. Oh, gluten-free. I forgot about that. Oh. Yeah, neither of her children are celiac. So there's absolutely no need for her to be buying these completely overpriced foods from the supermarket in a cost of living crisis too. I'm like, oh, power to you because we're obviously in different tax brackets. Yeah. Um, but again, that feeds into this idea that everyone's got an idea of what healthy is and it's probably not actually really relevant to that person's nutritional needs or what they actually need to function in a day. Because I have a friend whose children are celiac and she will tell you straight up, first of all, the food tastes like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like she buys it so that her kids can also have a cookie in their lunchbox like the other kid who gets to eat the cookies that her kids can't have. But she feels bad because they're horrible food. And they cost 
far too much and the nutritional value of them actually isn't that great anyway mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the same goes with vegan food like some people be like oh that i'm eating this this is vegan so it's healthy it's oreos like, are vegan i, I literally was just about to say that I'm just, I'm just like oreos okay cool i didn't know that like yeah someone will say oreo is healthy because it's vegan but then someone else will say oreo is not healthy because it's got a lot of sugar and then someone else will say oh but an oreo is a better alternative to perhaps getting a this other type of cookie it's just like can i mm-hmm. just eat my oreos just like Oreos um, because the new mint ones are actually fire like have you tried them i, I can't they, eat i can't eat minty food i just oh, it just okay. feels like i'm brushing my teeth and i already do that yeah. enough i don't i'm a, i'm a mint girl so i oh. love a mint slice and then i had these and i'm like ah i'm converted <laughs> i would die on that hill that minty food should not exist because you can't taste it you can't taste the the food you want to taste you just taste mint i don't get it i just i don't get it I don't get Maybe it at it's all. because I use that, you know, that flavoured toothpaste that's like watermelon. Oh, the high so me, one. I want to so get that. I it doesn't get taste that. like toothpaste to me because my toothpaste <laughs> doesn't taste like toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. So that so that is like your extra extra dose of toothpaste then. Yeah, it's just like this is the minty yeah. part. Yep. This now is my breakfast smells breath. real nice, but I got to eat Oreos in the process. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> oh. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So, although we can, and I know we we absolutely can, rant about diet <laughs> culture, Weight Watchers, all the shit that comes with but people claiming that they have to have gluten-free foods when they don't have to have gluten-free foods. I'm sure we can or rant about exist existing on online in a body that doesn't meet someone's expectations and what that looks like and how that that can be used to weaponize against you. Like I found a lot of people were using the fact that I'm not a thin person. Mm. Um, as we've discussed, I would probably I'm in that sort of mid-range size mid-size. and weight mid-size yeah, mid-size. yeah um and people would be like you know oh of course it's a fat chick who's whinging about diet culture it's like yeah here we go <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes we could rant about all that all day long my dear but yes we could but you we still are... have to cut and edit all this so we can't keep it i too gotta much. i gotta cut i gotta i gotta let you go you gotta live your life and do with all the tiktoker <laughs> people in the comment section we got to do that, sadly. But mm. at the end of every single podcast episode, we discuss our fave fat-friendly finds of the week, my guest and I. And you are someone that is in the mid-sized community, but yeah. you are also someone that makes sure, which I really appreciate, you make sure you buy clothes from brands that actually cater to the plus-size community as well. Yeah. Which, um, people out there listening, if you're someone that's <laughs> mid-sized, if you're someone that wants to be an ally to the plus-size community, support brands that cater to plus size people and also call out brands for not being plus size that's what you can do to be a good ally not just absolutely yes it's not just being like oh my god i feel so sad for you but i'm still gonna go shop here where you could never even try like i deliberately will never i don't think i would fit their clothes anyway but like i would never shop at supre or factory because i know they're not catering to all of my friends and so i'm gonna take my money to someone who would actually be able to dress my friend and myself at the same time Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. More people, more people need to do that. Absolutely. Yes. So, what is your favorite fat-friendly finds of the week, then, my dear? So the first one is I actually want to talk about the dress that I'm wearing. I yes. know that your people won't see this, um, but I am wearing a dress that was made from a vintage bed sheet, which I think is amazing in the first place because it's sustainable and it's slow fashion. And even though we all like to partake in a little bit of fast fashion, I'm not shitting on the fast fashion because it serves its place. Um, this is a beautiful woman down in Tassie. Her business is called August and Eve Handmade. And she makes these gorgeous dresses. This is not the only style that she does, but she makes these gorgeous dresses that are reversible and like multi-way, multi-wrap. I don't know what you, the word you'd use. They have pockets. Yes. Um, and she is size inclusive because she will make them to your measurements if she doesn't have your size in stock, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. I know she's been at a plus market once or twice and I know that that's always done really really well for her and I just love to see a mumpreneur <laughs> sorry I couldn't help myself but I love seeing women I love seeing women um doing shit that's epic like do more epic shit girls like we're so good at this shit let's do more of it yeah I love that I love yeah. it so much I'll make sure I show a photo of this on social so people can see your dress because it is gorgeous and yeah it's I'm so already cute. I'm already needing to get one I want one I've got two this. of hers already um I, I will say like they they are they're an investment they're like 160 oh, yeah. 180 dollars because they're handmade and her time mm. is worth money um I always argue it by like dollars per wear so you got to yes. wear something a certain number of times to justify it and also like I feel so pretty these dresses like they're very um cottage cool I would say um so they make me feel good they suit my body I've got big hips and thighs but I still feel gorgeous in it and I don't feel like I'm exposed it's a beautiful dress it makes my tits look great yes. it's got it ticks all the boxes mate like it's such a good dress <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> <laughs> and breastfeeding uh, friendly so yes we love that we're here for that yes mm, yes we are <laughs> I would have to say my recommendation, and yes, it may be controversial because it is in the fast fashion category, but I have a lot of thoughts on that, my God, because I always get very annoyed when people be like, you can't support any fast fashion at all. It's just like, yes, look, a lot of fast fashion places are unethical, but when you're a plus size bitch, not a lot of places stock your size. And, and also, isn't that quite elitist? You know, it, it's, it's not so taking elitist. into account the fact that like, just just because I'm a bigger person doesn't mean I should have to spend $400 on a dress. Like, unfortunately I'm only earning enough money to barely keep the roof over my head. But I still need to wear clothes. Cause again, being clothed is a human fucking right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So you and I've got a lot of opinions on this stuff. <laughs> I think that's a whole other podcast episode we should do, honey. I think because, yes. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I just find it very elitist, very fat phobic, and also very ableist when people just say like, Oh no, supporting any fast fashion brands. Like, look, I know there's the whole conversation with Shein about the whole factory. That's atrocious, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But and we all agree with that. Yeah, no, one's, we, yeah. no one's denying it. We're just yeah. saying like, sometimes it serves a place and, yeah. You know, are we do we are, do we need to be demonized for making choices that suit our finances, our situation in the moment? If, you know, again, if there's props for trying whenever we mm. try because we're all trying to be better, but yeah. sometimes we are just we, we're all victims of this capitalism and we are all victims of the patriarchy that put us in these positions and sometimes we just have to navigate those systems as best we can mm -hmm. with the tools that we are given which are often limited. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm not even letting you give your body recommendation. <laughs> no, I just, I just love that you're going with like the, um, oh, with, with the preface at the beginning, just like, okay, before anyone comes for me, let me just recommend this. Okay, so the thing I want to recommend, <laughs> I see it all the time on my Instagram ads and my Facebook ads, cider. Have you heard of cider? I have, and I've, I've seen a couple of people do try on hauls, but I always go to check out and go, uh, it could be a complete flop. I don't know. So I want to know what your experience was because that might decide whether or not I actually finally commit. I got a bunch of like knitted wear and I'm okay. just in love because I'm in the moment right now of just, I want to wear everything bright. I just want to wear bright barbiecore, cottagecore vibes. Just like, just, I just want to let out. I just want to let out the kind of clothes I wanted to wear when I was a kid, but I couldn't because it wasn't cool. Oh, yes. It wasn't yeah, no, no. hip, it wasn't sexy. Absolutely. Like when you're a teen, you have to always dress sexy when you're a teen or when you're in your early twenties. And now I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't care what I fucking look like to the opposite sex anymore. I just want to dress that makes me feel happy. So I've just been trying to like slowly bring in more clothes. That's like, I bright, love that. Cause you know, you know what my wardrobe looks like. So mm -hmm. I'm all for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I got a bunch of their stuff. Now I would not recommend people do this, but I'm going to preface this. So <laughs> I know you're meant to measure beforehand, but when I measured myself, my measurements didn't match the clothes. It still seemed like the clothes were going to be too small, but I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get a bunch of clothes. Doesn't work. I can return them and just get some other stuff, get like some yep. shoes from there or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, okay, you know what? I'll just get, everything in a size up it says because normally i'm normally about like a 24 26 so i'm just like you know what, fuck it i'll just get a 28 surely that will fit me even though the and measurements... it's knitted wear so if it turns out to be bigger it's still going to be fine yep yeah. i get what you're saying exactly exactly <sighs> this stuff is so pretty it's <laughs> so pretty so yeah, so i love that pretty. i will show you this people won't be able to see this but tough shit i'm just gonna show you look oh my god look number. at the colors of it look how bright it is I'm not, I'm probably not meant to do this, but, um, another, there's a couple of great Australian companies that are also female owned that do beautiful knitwear in most beautiful, bright colors and patterns. Mm. One of them is proud poppy. Um, Love and another poppy. one is little party dress. I think little party dress yes. is very well known in the plus size community because they, mm -hmm. they are working on their size inclusivity and they are generous sizing in the first place. So like, I, yeah, that's what I found as like, well. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes I buy a 12 from there and I'm like, I'm not a 12, but I'm, I'm not like, well, just wear the clothes that fit, like mm. the clothes that fit my body. And if that's a 12 or a 20, I don't give a fuck. I just want to look good in it. So yeah, I've gotten clothes mm. that are like 22 there and they fit me fucking great. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah they're very generous size and they great with a little party dress and absolutely yeah and they all have and yeah proud poppy and little party dress they have bright clothes as well i'm just loving it and just like ah oh, so good it's so good there's so much out there for people who want to buck the trend of wearing dark colors in winter <laughs> or just dark colors at all <laughs> yes because i was taught growing up throughout my teens and early 20s you have to always wear blacks because it's more flattering it covers up your belly and it's yeah. just like Fuck it. People know I have a fucking belly. Oh, my I my know. belly my like belly doesn't ruin my outfit. Isn't gonna change the shape of my body. Like I know, right? This is oh. the body I've got. It's um I remember oh, do you I don't how old are you? I'm twenty seven. Okay. So you I've got I don't nine years on you. But that's not that weird. But <laughs> when I was right. in high school, Paul Frank was like a massive thing. 
Uh, yes, and yes, yeah. I, I had parents who didn't buy brand name clothing and I remember saving up all my money from my shitty job as an IGA checkout chick yes. so that I could buy this one shouldered Paul Frank like tank top that was pink and white stripes with a big monkey in the middle of it. And I yes. was so happy when I got to wear it. And I remember posing for photos with my friends because I wore it out to a friend's birthday. I was like 15 or 16. Yeah. And um, my friend's mum, who naturally was a size six, like the woman ate everything in front of her. So this is again where it feeds into that, like just because you're thin does not mean you're healthy. Mm-hmm. But this woman was naturally so, so tiny and is a body shape and size that I could never be. And she mm. stood in front of me and she looked at my hair and she said, baby, this is beautiful. And then she looked at my makeup and she said, baby, this is beautiful. And then she just gestured to my entire midsection and went, but this, this isn't great. And I never wore that top again, that top that I had saved for and saved. And like, even now in my thirties, when I wear something that I feel shows my belly, I hear myself, I hear her voice. Mm. Or, like just the gesture and the, all of this and it I'd love to say it was the only time that's ever happened but I belly danced for a lot of years as well and you would think of all the dance forms nah <laughs> um I remember standing side stage and we had we were about to go on and I was 17 and really nervous and thinking to myself oh my god because I was put into the adult strip so a lot of these women had different bodies to me mm. um standing side stage getting ready to go on and it was almost the same conversation. She went, oh, your hair looks beautiful and your makeup is beautiful and your costume is beautiful. But it's this at, the, at my midsection of hips wow. and like, oh my fucking God. Like, it's just, can we all just celebrate the fact that I was like a 17 year old dancing with adults because I'd done this thing that was cool. And um, yeah, again, I guess it just feeds into the way that adults say things without ever thinking about the impact that it's going to have in the long term. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, see, and that's why we bring it back to the very beginning. That is why that comment, that is why it was so important that you called out that comment that that teacher aid made because that could be something that just gets added on and on and on that your son would hear that, Yep. You don't want him to have to deal with that fucking shit you dealt through because no. it's still um, affecting him today. And I also today. think because I'm raising a son that might date women later, I don't want my son carrying into a relationship this idea that that person he's dating should eat a certain way to meet mm. his approval because that's not healthy and I don't want to be a part of that and I will do whatever I can undo the diet culture rhetoric bullshit and if that means I'm standing by myself screaming from the top of Castle Hill in Townsville then so be it because I think I am quite alone here in Townsville with that (laughs) process but maybe I just need to move (laughs) (laughs) yes come to Brizzy yes (laughs) yes no one's in Brizzy Brizzy come to Brizzy yes everyone's just in Melbourne and Sydney I love Every time I think I should move to a major city because I feel like there would be better opportunities as someone who works in social media, mm. I'm scared off by the real estate. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. It's <laughs> say no scary. more. Yeah, say no yeah. more. It is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So as we've concluded today's podcast episode, which has just been so much fun, plug away, my dear. Where can people find you? You have also some products as well people can buy that are size inclusive. 
I'm trying to be as size inclusive as I can at the moment. That means I go up to the equivalent of a men's 6XL, 7XL, depending on what you consider standard sizing. Um, I am Ashy Ann on Instagram and on TikTok. I've, there's probably a Facebook page out there, but I haven't logged into Facebook in a couple of years. Um, but you can find me on the Instagram and you can also find me on the TikTok. And um, I like to say that I'm creating this really beautiful community of people who have similar mindset to me. Um, so if you just want to be a part of that, and if you just want to watch my hot mess bullshit, because it's usually just <laughs> chaos unfolding on a daily basis and I'm just recording that shit for the masses. Um, happy to have you on board if you if you want to come and follow that journey. <laughs> Yes, I highly recommend people go and follow you on TikTok. Yeah, you just bring a, a lot of joy into our lives. Like, I think, I think I still remember the first video I saw of yours. I'm going to so laugh if it wasn't you, though, because remember how you watch so many videos? You're just like, what's this person? During the pandemic, you were having a toilet roll battle with your partner on... Yes. <laughs> yes, it was you. Yes, yes, yes. So, so basically, you had the toilet, and there was like a, there was like a bunch of empty toilet rolls on the windowsill and you and your partner were having like a hidden argument of who was going to get rid of all the toilet rolls. And that ended up just being standoff. That's the word. You end up having towers and towers of toilet rolls. That got me through the pandemic. That was hilarious. Amazing. And then like I came home from work one day and he'd written on the toilet rolls, stop putting this shit on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes. To this day, neither of us actually got to win because my friend's five-year-old came over and was just like, you just knocked them all down and we were both like. (laughs) Oh, the standoff continues. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on to today's podcast episode. It was such a joy. I'm definitely going to have to bring you on again. And we will try. We'll try to keep it in time and not rant too long about un- about topics that are unrelated to the podcast. We will try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but thank I absolutely you. love that you reached out to me. And like, of all the people who I trust to send the message about ripping apart that diet culture rhetoric, you would be the person I trust with that message. So I'm honoured to consider myself someone who sits amongst the guests of your podcast. So that feels really special. Uh, and I love work that you're doing and I want to see more of it and I'm excited to see what more you do in the future so like I'm here cheering you on oh thank you so much thank you and thank you so much listeners for tuning into today's episode make sure you check out Ashy's TikTok profile and her Instagram and also if you enjoyed today's episode leave a rating leave a review and make sure you hit follow wherever you're listening to today's podcast and I will see you all next week bye We at Fatanize pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land we record on today. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.